And good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Life and Torah of Our Leaders, Tuesday mornings, live with First Seder Bes Medrash, firstseder.org. Um, and a special welcome as well to our Torah te- Anytime viewers and listeners. Today we're going to be talking about Rev Shalom Shachna from Lublin. Today, Rosh Chaydesh Kislev, Aleph Kislev, Akutun Chaydesh to everyone, is his 462nd yard site. Who was Rev Shalom Shachna Milublin? So the first thing we have to know is that the name Shachna is actually sort of a nickname for Shalom. And his Matseva, if you saw the pictures, um, on my status, or I could send them afterwards to Rabbi Greenspan. And his Matseva, it says, Reb Shalom HaMechuna, whose nickname is Shachna. And what we'll see later in the Shir, some thought Shachna is really Shavna, but it's actually Shachna. So he's known as Reb Shalom Shachna. Um, and his grandfather, who he's named after, was Reb Shachna. He was from the city of Lvov, or what's known as Lemberg. And he was a very famous businessman, and um, he was a chash of a person. He established a bank um, in Poland for uh, deposits and for uh, lending things, uh, lending, with col- lending money with collateral, together with his wife, whose name was Dina, and his son, who was named Yosef. Um, he was so he was so wealthy that he actually lent money to the king of Poland um, at the time. Um, his name was Vladislav Varenchik the third, um, and he had a war in uh, 1444 with the Ottoman Empire with the Turks. He was actually killed in that war as a young king, um, and he was uh, Reb Shachna had actually lent him I think uh, 500 mark I think it was whatever the currency, of enormous amount of money at the time towards that war. So that's how Chashev he was in the uh, business world. Um, his son was Reb Yosef, and um, he took over the business from his father. And in the year 1484, he was actually the uh, chief banker for the king at the time, was... Uh, Kazimir IV, uh, uh, some other name to it as well, some Polish name, Yagalin or something. So he was the chief banker for the king of Poland. And he was considered the richest Jew in all of eastern Poland. And of course that led to a lot of jealousy. The Goyim were not very happy with him. He had a lot of uh, privileges and rights that not only Jews didn't have, Goyim didn't have. And they got jealous and eventually... Um, different stories happened. Slowly but surely, he started losing his privileges um, from the king. And eventually, he was still a wealthy man, <clears throat> but he wasn't on the same level. He ended up then moving to Lublin. And at that time, he was actually the only Jew who was allowed to have a nice house in the central city of Lublin. So, as much as he had lost a lot of his privileges, however, he still kept. Um, his status as a chash of a person in the government. His wife was named Golda. And they had a son, or one of their children was named Reb Shalom Shachna. And Reb Shalom Shachna was born in about the year 1490. Um, his father was Nifta when he was 17 years old in the year uh, 1507. 
So Rav Shalom Shachna, when he was younger, he went to learn in Posen. Um, he writes in a tshuva that when I was young, Vani Bimei when I was young, and I was in Kishayisi Shoyev Mayim Imayane Yeshua, when I was drawing water from the wellsprings of salvation using a the pasuk Ushafta Mayim B'Sosim Ene Yeshua B'Kak Pazna in the year in the city of Posen. Um, so that's what he writes in a tshuva. We don't know exactly the dates and what, how old he was. Um, but eventually from Posen, he went to the yeshiva in Krakow, the famed yeshiva of Rav Yaakov Pollock. Rav Yaakov Pollock. Rav Yaakov Pollock, we talked about him once before in passing. And he was what's called the father of the Derech Halimud called Pilpul. And that is a... Uh, a topic unto itself to understand what Pilpul was. The basic idea was, and Rabbi Yaakov Palik, he, he got this from the German yeshivas that he learned in. And there were different three different big German yeshivas, and they went along with this Mahalach, and it really goes back to the Bali HaTaisvis. You know, when you learn a Taisvis, so Taisvis is on a Gemara, and he asks a question from a different Gemara, and then he goes and he makes a chiluk, a difference, between the two Gemaras. That's called the Derech of Chilukim. Now when the Bali Ataisvis do this and the Rishayinim do this, so of course every word of the Rishayinim is measured. We treat every word as Kaidish Kadashim. And therefore the differences that they say, as minute as it might be, as sometimes we would think it's just one word difference in the Gemara that perhaps makes the Chiluk, but Rishayinim are Rishayinim. That Mahalach, that Derech Halimud, continued past the Rishayinim in Germany, and Rav Yaakov Palak brought it to Poland, and he was called the Av HaChilukim, the father of this Mahalach called Chilukim, of making differences between Gemaras. And this was, was called Pilpul. Now the problem with Pilpul was, that Pilpul very often did not have strong foundations. Again, we didn't trust the people, the Hamaynam, regular people, like we trust the Rishayinim. So any person could come along. A lot of times they would make have a Chakira. They would say, is the Pshat like this or is it like this? And then they would uh, uh, ascribe um, different Gemaras to different sides of the question. Now, very often there was no real proof that the Gemara meant that. Sometimes the proof was because the Gemara didn't say something differently. And it was very shaky foundations. And it ended up being an exercise in the, um, the, the, the intellect of the person. How big a pilpul he could make because you would build it up level by level by level by level. And, and you would have this unbelievable shtiklach taira. But very often the basic question was, you could ask mehechatesi, like, it's all nice, but... Where's the proof? How, why are you forced to say this? Where's the hechrach? But that's really the idea of what Pilpa was all about in a nutshell. And Rabbi Yaakov Palak had a yeshiva. You know, it, later on it, be called, it, be, it became called Pilesh Pilpul. For hundreds of years it was called Pilesh Pilpul. Maybe till, you know, the briskers came along in Lithuania and they, and they took to a different type of lambdas. But as we mentioned in the Shir and the Maral, the Maral and his Talmidim, they fought strong against, strongly against this because they didn't believe in this pilpul. They said everything has to be pshat, you have to be, have foundations, has to be sound-based. It's not here to show how brilliant you are. We have to know what's emes and what's not emes. And a lot of times with pilpul, the question is, do you end up at a psak halacha that way? 
Well, if you don't end up, if you end up in a Pesach Halacha with a very flimsy foundation, you have problems. There's a Maram Milublin, the Maram somewhere, I think in Erevin, he writes that um, I could be Mephalpal more, but that's that the point of this Sefer. So the Maram understood that there's differences. There's Pshat, like the Maram says in, in learning, and then there's Pilpul, which has its own Makam. The question is, the, the, the lines became blurred, and it, and it caused a lot of issues. But that was Rabbi Yaakov Pollock. And Rabbi Shalom Shachna went to learn his yeshiva in Krakow, and he learned there for about 10 years, until Rabbi Yaakov Pollock had to leave Krakow in the year 1522. He had to leave because of a story. And um, he had first been in Prague, by the way, then he went to Krakow. And that's why the Maral and the Kliyakar and his Talmidim, the Shla, they were fighting against the legacy of Rabbi Yaakov Pollock in Prague. And later on, this was in Krakow, and Rabbi Yaakov Pollock had to leave. So Rabbi Shalom Shachna went back to Lublin. At that time, he was a Gadol Batayra. And in the words of the Ramah, the Ramah, who was one of his biggest Talmidim, and eventually became his son-in-law, as we will see, he wrote about Rabbi Shalom Shachna, Migdoyle Talmidov, from the greatest, greatest Talmidim of Rabbi Yaakov Pollock, was Rabbi Shalom Shachna. So he established a yeshiva in Lublin. His Talmidim were the, were the Ramah, for example, the brother of the Maral, Reb Chaim, which is interesting because the Maral, like we said, fought against this Derech Halimud. His brother, Reb Chaim, was a Talmud of Reb Shalom Shachna. Um, in the Chuvas Masas Binyamin, which is, he lived in the, in the uh, late 1500s, he wrote, Kol Raboisai, all of my Rabbeim, Ushor Gidoyle Hadar, and the rest of the Gidoyle Hadar, Hayokulam Talmidav. They were all the Talmidim of Reb Shalom Shachna. So he was the Rebbe of everybody, um, of all the G'dayli Hadar of the next generation. The, Lord, the Ramah writes somewhere else, Asher kol G'dayli Haaretz hazois heim tamidov. All of the great people of this land of Poland are all the Tamidim of Shalom Shachna. His son, Rabbi Yisrael, writes in a letter. Now there's a tshuva in the Ramah, Simen Chafhei, which was really not the Ramah, it was really the son of Rabbi Shalom Shachna. And he writes in that tshuva, that my father Hamid Talmidim Harbei He erected. He had many Talmidim from one end of the world to the other end. So that's how big his yeshiva was. And on his matseva, it says, "Here bits be Israel Torah." He spread Torah in, in Klai Yisrael. Bidori Basroi more than what any that was before him in the last generations. And he had many students. Again, this is all written on the Matzeva. Until all of the judges of the land, they live from his mouth, and are constantly drinking his waters. So this was it. He was the Rebbe of Polish Jewry of the next generation. He was very wealthy because he had the Yerusha from his father. And on the other side of his matzeva is a little bit of a poem, and over there it says, His money he, sp- he spread out to, um, for Hashem, because he supported his own yeshiva, and at the same time he it supported a lot of Torah institutions. institutions. His daughter was um, named Golda, and she was the Ramah's first wife. She was Nifter, she passed away a few years after their wedding, um, she was only about 20 years old. 
And um, we'll see later in the Shear the Hespid that the Ramah said on her. In the Ramah's Darke Moshe on tour in Yeridea Simon Kuf Yud, he writes, Ho'emes mashatiritzli ha'goyin. The truth in this question is what the goyin answered to me. Who's the goyin? Moiri Chami, my father-in-law. Meireinu Rav Shachna, Rav Shachna. Now it's interesting, in most other places the Ramah does not call him my father-in-law. He just calls him my teacher. And it's possible because most of many of those things were written after the Ramah was already remarried and perhaps he didn't want to write Mayri Chami. But in this case here, in Darke Maisha, Yaradea Kofiot, he does write um, Mayri Chami. Um, Rav Shachna was the Rav of Lublin, Kemat for 40 years, almost 40 years. Um, after he became Rav of Lublin, he actually became almost chief rabbi of what's called Pailin Katan, small Pailin, um, which included Krakow and Lublin and, um, and, uh, and, and other cities as well. And there's a Pailin Katan, if you, if you Google this, you'll find there's a Pailin Katan in later generations that was even smaller, but this was a much larger area than earlier. And he was together with Reb Moshe Fischl from Krakow. They shared the chief rabbinate. Reb Shalom Shachna had three quarters of it. I don't know, again, I don't know the exact division of labor, but it's written he had three quarters of it, and Reb Moshe Fischl had the, the, the uh, other quarter he was in charge of. Now, they were so powerful, this was chief rabbi from the, from government, from the government, from the, from the king of Poland, and they were allowed to punish anyone, they could put anyone in cherem, anyone who went against them, they could do whatever they want, they could put penalties on them. No one was allowed to be, you know, serve for Kiddushin or Gitin without getting Rishus from them, so you couldn't just be a Rav and, uh, you know, perform a, a, a Get or a Kiddushin. You needed to get permission to do such jobs from the Chief Rabbinate, and even to become a Rav in a city, you had to get uh, permission from the Chief Rabbi. Um, now, Lublin was very famous for its Yerid. Yerid was its market, but this wasn't just a market, this was like a major, major convention. And um, in fact, all the Gedalim used to come, not just businessmen. Gedalim used to come, it became because all the big businessmen and, and Askanim were there, so all the Gedalim would come as well. It would go on for weeks or for months, and they would have a lot of uh, meetings there at these Yeridim. Just as a side note, the Kliyakar in Parshas Mitzayra, when he talks about Saras, he, he has a long piece there, and he goes, and he writes at the end, this Drashash said, in Parsha Zachar, in the year Shin Samach Beis, in Lublin. He was there for a convention. So the Kliyoka was Nifter in 1619, so we're talking about the early 1600s. The Marsha, who was Nifter a little later in 1631, this is a nice piece of uh, trivia as well, in the end of the seventh parak of Shabbos, if you open your Marsha and go to the end of the seventh parak, you'll see he wrote that from here to the end of the parak, I'm not including in my Sefer, because I didn't learn it in the yeshiva, because I was in the Yerid in Lublin. I was in that famous market in Lublin. So he didn't say he didn't learn, it's just he didn't learn in the yeshiva. And that's why I didn't put it into the Sefer. So at this thing, at this uh, big marketplace and convention, there were a lot of um, you know, disagreements in Dine Taira. And he would paskin there, he was the Rav who would paskin, and he was very strong in his psak. And he wasn't, didn't really um, take into account other Rabbonim and Ga'inim who were also attending. 
and it caused a little bit of problems because people came from different cities and they had their Rabbanim with them at the city and they said, how come our Rav doesn't Paskin? Why only Lublin's Rav gets the Paskin? And um, it made a lot of problems till they complained to the king and the king finally said that he's not allowed to just have a one-man show there. And in fact, they made actually a, a court that was... Um, made by the government, and it included two Dayanim from Lvov, two Dayanim from Posen. Again, Posen was also part of Pilon Katan. Two Dayanim from Krakow, so there were six Dayanim. Lublin didn't get a Dayan there. I don't know if they weren't offered it or they weren't interested, but those six, and it was called, they were called Dayane Hayeridim, the judges of the Yerid. So that's why how he lost, um, you know, that position of being the one in charge of the um, of the of the uh, Yerid. Um, in the year 1551, Shin Yud the entire chief rabbinate position was um, was abolished, and after that, he was only Reb Shalom Shachna was the Rav of Lublin and surrounding areas, but no more over Pilan Katan. There was no one. There was Rabbanim over the different areas, but not one chief rabbi. Um, however, he still remained one of the biggest Paiskim Shilas came in Halacha from all over Klai Yisrael. He was a very big Anav, but he was very strong in his Psak and leading his Kehila. For example, there was an old Rav in Prague, and the Rav in Prague was upset about a get that was made. It was made by two younger Rabbanim, not in front of this older Rav in Prague, who was one of the Chashavah Rabbanim. And he, was, he said that there's something, it's not a good get, or at least he was uh, ma'irer, there'd be problems with it. And Reb Shalom Shachna heard about it, and he said that this rav was over on the cherem of Rabbeinu Tam. There's a cherem of Rabbeinu Tam, at the end of every get, no one should ever have to chas v'shalom go through a get, but if you ever had a get, at the end, they announced that there's a cherem of Rabbeinu Tam, of try, saying that there's any problems with a get. So he felt that this rav was over on that cherem, and he actually put this rav in cherem. And the G'dayli Hadar were very upset about it, and even the Maram Mipadva wrote that Reb Shalom Shachna is putting in cherem shaloi kedin, and when you put someone in cherem incorrectly, you yourself get put in cherem. And he said very strong lashayness about him, that if he's not anyone who says that this rav was over on the cherem of Rameinu Tam, he should be bitten by a snake, that it's what it's written when you're Mevazah Tamil Chacham. And he writes at the end, Rabbi Shalom Shachna for sure did not know the details of what happened, and that's why he did it, but they were, he, they were all pushing Rabbi Shalom Shachna to be Chayzer. But he stood strong, and you see that even though it was one of the big Rabbanim of Prague, he put him in Chayrim, he didn't care, because this is what's right, at least what he felt. He was Nifter Rishchaydish Kislev Shin Yotes, which is 1558, like we said, today Aleph Kislev. And according to the Messira, in Lublin, the way it worked was when a Rav was Nifter, so the leaders of the Kehila would get together and they would actually give like a, a written pitur that he is no longer the Rav. They would write down like a, a, a release that this he's no longer the Rav of Lublin. That was the Minig. Um, Rav Shalom Shachnin was nifter on a Friday, Aleph Kislev was a Friday, and for whatever reason, um, they didn't ever, they forgot about doing it. And they used to say in Lublin that he remained the Rav of Lublin, because he would never let go. Even though he's not alive, he's the Rav of, he's the Rav of, um, the Rav of Lublin. 
I think I saw somewhere the Ramer Shapiro, we spoke about him, years later became Rav of Lublin. He went to ask permission from the Rav, Reb Shalom Shachna, could he be a Rav in Lublin? So he said that he went to Davin at the Beis Akvaris, and when he came back, he said, Reb Shalom Shachna didn't protest. He didn't. I, I went to the Beis Akvaris, and when I told him that I want to become Rav, he didn't protest, so it seems he agrees that I should be the Rav of Lublin. But that's because Reb Shalom Shachna remains Rav of Lublin at Hayemazeh. He didn't write any Sfarim of Shalom Shachna, just like his Rebbe, Rabbi Yaakov Palak, also did not write any Sfarim. And in that Tshuva, in Tshuva's Ramah, Simen Chafhei, his son writes that he asked his father many times, you're from the biggest Paiskim, Tshuva's, why don't you write it down? And he says that if I write it down, people are just going to rely on me, and they're not going to learn themselves. And I don't want people to rely on me. I want people to learn themselves and come to their conclusion. And that's the same reason Rabbi Yaakov Pollock himself also didn't write a Sefer. It's ironic that his Talmud and son-in-law, the Ramah, is the one responsible for writing down Sakim. Right? The Ramah wrote down Sakim after the Beis Yosef. He wrote it down. But his Rebbe and Shver, Rabbi Shalom Shachna, and his Rebbe, Yaakov Pollock, didn't want to do it. And even Chuvas, even responsive that they sent out, they never kept a copy for themselves. Because that's it, we're not keeping anything written, we're not putting out svar. Um, so the only thing we have is from his Talmidim, different psakim. I'm going to go through some of them now. Now the Ramah um, eulogized his father-in-law. And at the end of the Sefer Eretz Chemda from the Malbim, he brings in the name of the Chavis Yoir, who writes, that I heard that when the Ramah eulogized Reb Shalom Shachna, he said the following. The Pasuk says, And if there will be on a person a sin that he's put to death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree. So, says, said the Ramah, that the, the word chet here doesn't mean a sin, it means a chitzaran, something lacking. Um, so, we find in other places the Lashon Chait is something lacking. So the Ramah said, When you will have a person who Mishpat Mavis, the reason for him to die, Chait is missing. Meaning he's not, there's no reason he should die because he's a Tzadik Gomer. A Tzadik Gomer, why is a Tzadik Gomer dying? Said the Ramah, And he still died and you want to know why? You should hang it, meaning you should say that it has to do with the fact of the Chet of the Eitz Hadas. Because of the Chet of the Eitz Hadas, that everyone in the world has to die now, so this Sadiq Gomer has to die also. That's what he said. So you see what the Ramah held of his Rebbe, his Shver of Shalom Shachna, he was a Sadiq Gomer who didn't deserve to die, except for the fact of the Chet of the Eitz Hadas. Um, now when the Ramah was eulogized his wife, as we mentioned before, his first wife was Golda was Nifter when she, a few years after their marriage, so he said, based on a Pasuk in Malachim Beis, that says, Piktu na esaharura hazais, you should remember this cursed one, vikivrua, and bury her, kibas melachi. So, said the Ramah, an unbelievable thing. He said that the ground was cursed in the days of Hevel. Right? In Parashas Bereshis, the ground absorbed the blood of Hevel. So Arura Hadama, the ground is cursed because it absorbed that blood. So said the Ramah that the, the ground is Harura Hazais, this cursed ground. Vikivrua, Kibas Melechi. When you are going to accept the burial 
of this lady, my wife, the Rabbonis, the, the Rebetzin, Shehi Bas Melech, that she is the daughter of the king, she's the daughter of Shalom Shachna, you will get a Takana. It'll be a Takana for that Avera. So again, you see what he held of his wife and what you held of his father-in-law. He called his wife the Bas Melech, that her burial will be a Takana for the land that was cursed in the days of Cain and Hevel. In Chuvas Ramah, the Ramah mentions Rav Shalom Shachna numerous times. Simon Menhei, for example, he says, how could I open my mouth to even Paskin on this story that's come in front of us when my Rebbe and his Bezdin are still alive? My Reinu, Rav Shachna, go to him. He says, but in a different case, he writes, but I see, <coughs> excuse me, that my Rebbe's psak is sosum vikatsar. It's very brief and it's very, um, uh, very close, very unclear. So, and he didn't bring any proofs to what he said. So I'm saying I'm going to bring a proof. I'll call dibur v'dibur sheyatzamipiv. For every word that went out of his mouth, I'm going to bring a proof. Um, in Simon Samachdal, he writes about someone who didn't want to go to Bezdin because he said he wanted to go to a different Bezdin. So the Ramah handles that and he writes, the Kol and for sure, he wants to go Lifnei Bezdin HaGadol HaAmiti, the great and true Bezdin, the Hainu HaGoyin Marona V'Rabona Marena Rav Shachna. In Simen Lamed he quotes him, in Simen Sadi Aleph he quotes him in numerous places. Now it's interesting, in the years Shin Yun Tess to Shin Lamed Zayin, um, um, so that's like 1558 Shin Yun Tess is when he was Nifter, Till Shin Lamed Zayin for the next uh, 18 years or so, in Lublin they started printing a shas. And on the front page it's written, it was printed by Skamas Goine Oilam Varashi Yeshivas, with the agreement of the great Goinim and Rashi Yeshivas, of the three countries, Poland, Russia, and Lita, Poland, Russia, and Lithuania. And they had made a strong takan, it's written there, that in every yeshiva, they will learn Mesechta after Mesechta, Kasher Natvis Emir Hashem. As we print each Mesechta, that is what each country's yeshivas are going to be learning. So that was going to become the cycle. So in Mesechta Sukkah, which is printed in Shin Chavches, it's written over there that this Mesechta was edited letter by letter from the handwriting of Hagoyin Marein Rav Shalom Shachna. And in Erevin also it's written like that. Happens to be the Marshal in Erevin writes very sharply against these changes that were made by Rav Shalom Shachna. In other words, he went through the Shas and if there were mistakes, he made a Haggah and he changed it. Like we have the Haggah Habach. Um, and um, in fact, in, in, um, in, um, in the Vilna Shas, in our Shas, if you look in Mesechta Bavakama and Yud Ches Beis, and on Samach Dalit Amr Beis, on the side of the Gemara, each of those pages has actually a Haggah from Marina Rav Shachna. You look over there, that's our Rav Shalom Shachna. And also in the printing of the Gemara in Krakow and Shin Samach Beis, also was based on the Haggahs of Rav Shalom Shachna. Again, the Marshal wrote very sharp against it. He wasn't happy that anyone was making Haggahs. Um, and, uh, but, but that's the, that's, um, that's the, uh, the Xaviad that was used for the editing and the printing of these new shas. Now, where was Rav Shalom Shachna mentioned in Halacha? The Darkei Moshe, which is the Ramah, 
in Hilchus Lulav, when he talks about shaking the Lulav, so we know a Lulav has to be held upright. And if not, you're not Yaitse. So when you shake the Lulav in all directions, you shake it holding everything upright. There's a big Machlaikas in the Paiskim. What about when you shake downwards? Some Paiskim hold you turn it upside down, so you point downwards. And others say the way we do it, we keep it right side up and we just shake it downwards. So the Dark Emisha writes about turning it over, he says, the Maril writes, he didn't turn it upside down. And I heard from my Rabbi Rav Shachna, who he saw it by Rav Yaakov Palik. Um, all the other directions, he would point the Lulav in that direction. There's two ways to do that as well. They would point it in that direction. But downwards, they wouldn't point, they'd just hold it upright. When it comes to the famous Isser of Chadash, of, you know, people are makbid on Yashan, only eating the fruit, the produce outside of Eretz Yisrael, grown by Goyim, there's a big machlaikas hapaiskim, do you need the Oimer on the second day of Pesach to be matter that? That's the industry we call today, called Yashan. So, when a co- coming about this Isser of, of, of Chadash, of you have to eat Yashan, the Bach writes, and the Bach is the one who is actually what everyone relies on to be moderate. He writes, "Haminig pasha b'malchuseinu." The minig is pashut in our kingdom, linoig hater that it is permitted. Vav gedayle hatayra shaylufaneinu, and also the big leaders that were in front of us, Mareinu Rav Shachna, Umareinu Rav Shloim Maluria. That's the Marshal. V'talmidayim loy hayu oisrim. They did an Aser, V'shayusin HaSheicher, they would all drink the beer. They were not makbed that it should be Yashan. Um, it's fact, it's interesting because in that same piece, the Bach writes that I asked, Hamor HaGoldu Meireinu Rav Liva Bar Bitzal Remember we talked about the Maral, we said his nickname was for Yehuda was Liva. Um, so he said, I asked the Maral about it as well. But that's where the Bach quotes um, Rav Shalom Shachna. The Taz in Yaradeya Simin Nun Dalit and Hilchas Trefus at the end of Sifkat and Dalit, it's a long Taz there. It talks about having extra ribs in an animal. Are they kosher or not? And he writes, Kain Haira Harav Mirein Rav Shachna Milublin. That is how Rav Shachna Paskind. The Shach brings the exact same Psak um, a little bit later in Simin Samach Dalit Sifkat and Yud. And he writes, Nimsa Kosu Bishem Mirein Rav Shachna, the same Psak that an extra rib is kosher. Um, in, the, in, ta, in the Taz, in Simen Kuf Yud, he brings the Darkei Moshe. Now, we quoted the Darkei Moshe before in Kuf Yud, where he calls Rav Shalom Shachna his father-in-law. And he said, it's MS what my father-in-law answered. That psak, the Taz, in Simen Kuf Yud, brings the Darkei Moshe and the Teres Chattas. The Teres Chattas is the, another savior of the Ramah. So both Sfarim from the Ramah, Shekein Heishiv Loi Mereinu Rav Shachna Misvara, that's how Rav Mereinu Rav Shachna answered him logically. The Dark Yemaisha actually continues there and writes, and I found later that it's Mefurish that the tour holds like that. So that's another place where he's quoted. The Taz in Arachayim Simen Laman Ches in Hilchus Tfilin, he writes, there is a concept of a Talmud not taking off his tefillin in front of his Rebbe. It's brought down in Halacha. So the Taz brings down B'Shem Mereinu Rav Shachna. The Rav Shachna said like this, that when a Talmud is not wearing tefillin, he should not put on his Rebbe's shoes or take them off. 
Why? In a place where they don't know that he's his Talmud. Because taking off shoes and putting them on is an act of an Evid. Now an Evid doesn't wear tefillin. So if the Talmud is wearing his tefillin, no one's going to think he's an Evid. If people know he's a Talmud, so no one's going to think he's an Evid either. But if he's in a place where he's not wearing his tefillin and no one knows he's a Talmud, people might say that he's an Evid. So says Rav Shalom Shachna, that's why you're not allowed to take off your tefillin in front of your Rebbe. Because why are you taking off your tefillin? Must be you're taking off your tefillin because your Rebbe wants his shoes taken off and on and you don't want to do it. And you know that if you're not wearing your tefillin, you're not allowed to do it. So you're taking off your tefillin so you shouldn't do it. That's what Rav Shalom Shachna paskind. And the Magad Avram actually brings the same Rav Shalom Shachna over there he brings that the Shlach quotes this from Mareinu Rav Shalom. Now, just the, the Derech Agav, they all point out that was in the olden days when everyone wore tefillin a whole day. Nowadays, everybody takes off the tefillin right away. The fact that you're not wearing tefillin is not a raya that you're an Evet. Um, in Simon Reish Ayin Beis, in Ilcha Shabbos, Mogan Avram, Sivkotin Tess, he's talking about making Kiddush on Schnapps, on Chamar Medina, on Choshava um, drinks of the place. So he writes that the Bach was Tamal Hagainim. He wondered on the great Gainim, Mashir Hayulufanenu, in the generations before us, Hagain Marshal, Umareinu Rav Shachna, that even though they had wine in their houses, they would still make Kiddish and beer in the morning. And the Bach is bothered, how are they allowed to do that? So the, the Magan Avram talks about it. But here he's quoting Rav Shachna, used to make Kiddish and beer or schnapps in the morning, even though he had wine in the house. The Beis Shmuel in Shema Gitin, the Beis Shmuel in Ebenezer, has a section where he has the names of, um, all the names of how to write them in a get. Um, spellings and things like that. So he writes in, in by Shin, he writes Shachna Bechaf. Again, like I said, if you remember, we start off the Shir, Shachna is a nickname for Shalom. And some thought it was Shavna. So he says, no, it's with a Chaf. Huloshen Shechina. The Loshen Shachna comes from the Loshen Shechina. Lochein. This is the words of the Beishmuel. Hagoyin Mareinu Rav Shachna Nosan Simen Alatzmai. He made a sign for his own name. L'shichnoi Sidrashu. His own name, he made a sign for it. L'shichnoi Sidrashu. You should seek out Hashem's resting place. Hashem Shechina. Kloimar Shaloi Toimar Beveis. Rav Shachna was telling us it's not Shavna. It comes from the word the Shechna, the Lashon of a Shechina. Now the Shoyal Umeshev, Rabbi Yosef Shal Natanzan, right there on the page in Shulchan Aruch has Hagois, Shai Lemoira it's called, on the Beishmol. And he writes, Ani Shamati Mi Krakow, I heard that in Krakow they had a Shas that was edited by Rav Shachna, his own handwriting. So you remember, we mentioned before, they used his Ksavyad in, in, in one of the things was the printing press in Krakow, in Shin Samach Beis. So in his own Gemara, in Sanhedrin Perak Chelek, where the Gemara talks about the names of Mashiach, the Rav Shachna wrote on the side of his Gemara, Ani Oimer, I say, Shachna Shemai. His name was Shachna. Shenemar L'Shichnoi Sidrishu. A very interesting thing that the Rav Shachna wrote on the side of his Gemara. That's the simon the Beishmul is referring to. He wrote it on the side of his Gemara. The name of Mashiach is Shachna. 
Reb Nassim Gestetner has, I think, if I remember correctly, has a whole uh, tshuva somewhere about this. He's very bothered by this, what Reb Shachlan was saying, he was Mashiach, what does that mean? But that's what it says over there. Now we only have two printed tshuvas that exist from Reb Shachna, and both of them have to do with the same topic called Savloinus. Savloinus is a sugya in Kedushin, and it talks about that if a person sends presents, a chassan sends presents to his kala, do we have to assume he's sending it for Kedushin or not? And Rav Shachna was very machmer, and he actually made, in instances that the shidduch broke apart, he made the girl get a get, because he said, you got married because of those presents. And then those, were, those are what those chuvas are talking about. If you remember, I mentioned in the beginning, he says, when I was young and I was in Posen, that's from one of these chuvas where he says, the Rav there also made someone get a get um, for presents. The Ramah in Simen, Mem Hey in Heaven Ho'ezer, on this Simen about presents, he writes, Not like the one who's Machmer that we don't have to worry about it. And the Chalkas Mechaikik writes, HaMachmer Hazeh, who's the Ramah referring to? Referring to Hu HaGoyin Meireinu Rav Shachna, Umuva B'Tshuva Shaloi. The Chalkas Mechaikik says, that's Rav Shachna, and this thing that the Ramah is quoting is from the Tshuva of Rav Shachna. So that is another Tchumrat Dikapsak from Shalom Shachna. Um, I just want to end off here with a vart that Rav Shalom Shachna himself said. In Akdamat the Sefer Or Yisrael, he says there, I heard B'Shem HaGoyinah Mephorsim, Mareinu Rav Shachna, Shadarash B'Lublin. He was giving a drush on Lublin, and he asked the question, and he said, it used to be in Poland, the army was very small. It was about 6,000 people. And he says, now there's like more than 30,000 troops. Um, so what happens? Like why in previous generations did we need a smaller army, and now we need a gigantic army? So he said like this, he said in the previous generations, these 6,000 troops, each one of them had a massive, massive gun. He called it Bixen. Bixen is like a rifle. A gigantic gun. And there were only a few people who were able to manage this type of big machine gun or whatever it was. Or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's even a, um, um, I don't know, maybe it's um, whatever it is, some big type of gun. Uh, maybe it's a cannon, maybe it's a cannon, I'm not sure. And only not many people were able to handle it. And that's all they needed, because everyone had what we would call the big guns. So you didn't need such a big army, as long as you have a powerful one. He says, now, however, nobody's able to take these big guns. Everybody has a small little pistol. This is his words. Everyone has a small gun called a pistol. Everyone has a small pistol. Well, a small pistol can only do so much damage. So you need a lot more troops to do their damage with the smaller guns. So he says, He says, However, the Yadayim Yidei Esav is, that's how the Kol Kol Yaakov is. He says, it used to be in Klal Yisrael, there were very few big Rabbanim who would paskin. And anyone who was at the Madrega of being a Baal Hira, someone who could paskin, he was very famous. Why? Because he had to be from the big guns. He had to learn all of Talmud. He had to learn all of Tor. Don't forget, there was no Shulchan Aruch yet. He had to learn the Dalaturim and Chuvis. There were only very few people who were able to, uh, to handle those big guns, as we say. He said, but now, nowadays, he's Chilu Lilmaid. Much less, um, um, he didn't have a Shulchan Aruch really, or maybe just the beginnings of it. But, um, but um, they, they just learned Piski Halacha, 
and they keep on minimizing the Torah of an Israel Meira Hayrais. And uh, there's many more Rabbanim. He says there's many more Rabbanim, but each Rav only has a little pistol on him. And that's why we need more Rabbanim to be able to fill what all the big Rabbanim in previous generations did on their own. And that's the Pshad he says, Hakol Kol According to the weaponry that's in the Yedei Esav, that is the Kol Kol Yaakov, that's the correlation. And that was the Vart Reb Shalom Shachna said. In any Ace Sarah, they would go to Reb Shalom Shachna's Kever, um, and they would daven there, um, like we said, for Amir Shapiro, he, he used to go and actually daven there, especially on Erev Rosh Chodesh. He wouldn't go on Rosh Chodesh Kislev, people don't go to a Beis HaKvaris, but Erev Rosh Chodesh Kislev, he would go daven there, he'd go with his Talmidim, he would spend a very long time by himself at the Matseva, and he would daven for that Slach of the Yeshiva, and in any Eitzara throughout the generations, they will always go daven, Erev Shalom Shachna's Kever, and in fact, his Matseva is the only Matseva in the old Beis HaKvaris in Lublin um, that, um, that, that remains intact throughout all the years. I mean, the Chayzef in Lublin, the Marshal, they were rebuilt, but his Matseva remained intact, and um, they would all go there. It was a Mokka Mesugal to Davin, and today, like we said, we've set over his Torah, understanding who he was, he was the Rebbe of, 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 of Teiras Poilin, Gedolim of Poilin, for a few hundred years afterwards. He was considered the Rebbe of all of the Gedolim of Poilin. And Be'ez HaShem, Tzchusa Yogin Aleinu Ve'al Yisrael. We should be Zoycha in Hizchus. We can't be at Lublin today. However, I was Zoycha to be at his cover a few years ago. We should talk be Zoycha. He should be a Melit Zoycha for Klai Yisrael. And he should bring about the Yeshuas and the Chamas that all Klai Yisrael needs and especially the greatest Yeshua, the name of Mashiach, whether it's the names the Gemara brings down, whether it's Shachna Shmai Shanemar Lashichna Sidrashu, but we should be Zaikha to see Mashiach Tikainu, Bimhera Vyameinu, Amen. Have a wonderful day everyone.